Welcome to The Uplift, where we are uplifting our lives, uplifting each other, and uplifting our communities together. Thank you for joining myself, Sai Herrera, and Tessa Savala here, two women, two attorneys, doing it our way, and inviting you here each week to share in on the stories, advice, and life lessons we've picked up along our journeys that keep us uplifted, and that will hopefully do the very same thing for you. Now buckle in and let's get ready to be uplifted. Hello, everyone. I'm so glad you're here. As always, I'm Tessa and I'm joined by the lovely Sai. Hello, hello. Happy to be here. You know, I was listening to Lizzo's special this morning and I was kind of encouraging everybody to remember that they are special and they have these Mm -hmm. unique skills and attributes and they bring something to the table and then on the flip side I was thinking like wow we also really limit ourselves and reminded me as you know you're scrolling through social media during the week and I saw this post about a quote from a conversation between Oprah and Michelle Obama where Oprah asked Michelle Obama if she ever got over the feeling of being intimidated at some of these, you know, sitting down at some of these really powerful tables. And her, Michelle Obama's response was, you realize pretty quickly that a lot of them aren't that smart. <laughs> I know it's taken a little while for me to realize that. True, but that. It's, it's so true. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and how, how many times do we think like oh we're not we're we're gonna be the yes. least smart person the least experienced person yeah yeah and how does how do we as society emerge to the point where some of us assume that we need to know more and other of us are so I, I don't know if it's confidence or brazen or assume that we know everything when we really know nothing, right? <laughs> like, is it that they're confident that they know the answer or is it confident they think they're cool enough to be there? And why don't mm. we all have that? Why don't we all feel that special to sit at that table? They feel worthy of being there. Yeah. One of the things that helps me, I guess, generally is in law school, they teach you that you don't have to know all the answers. You just have to know how to get all the answers. And Isn't that the greatest lesson of yes, it's, it yeah. really is. It really is. You're just like, oh, like, this is what resourcefulness means. Like, this is, like, and it does give you that confidence to be like, yeah, I'm an attorney. Like, you feel good about that. <laughs> and, you know, people, like, think you already know everything, which is interesting about, you know, the profession <laughs> overall. But we don't. We actually don't know everything. We are just like, yeah, we can figure it out. And we, and we do have the tools to do that, right? But I think we should translate that to everybody. Everybody yes. should know that and have the confidence that, first of all, you don't have to know everything to be at the table. And second of all, anything you don't know, you can figure out. And that's what I think that these people have that are already at the table. They either think that they can figure it out or that they're just worthy to be there because they have something of value that they add, whatever it might be. It might not be what, what you add, but they might think, well, you know, I have my connections, for example, or whatever, whatever it is. And they're, they're bringing that. And so they think, yeah, I deserve to be here. You know, and it, what you were saying made me think of, it's not even just that people are at the table. It's when we 
apply for the jobs to get us to the table, right? Mm. Like some of us won't even apply because we don't think we're qualified. We count ourselves out before we even try. Absolutely. Absolutely. And those people who are at that table who are, you know, what I might say overconfident, (laughs) or perhaps it is the right amount of confidence and I am misinterpreting this situation and I'm limiting them. But we all need that confidence to know that we can be at that table for mm-hmm. the exact same yeah. reasons that you point out that we don't need to have the answers. We just need to know how to find them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even if you don't know how to find them, I mean, the other thing I've learned is that um, I can find somebody who knows how to find them, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a whole other skill that, you know, people don't necessarily value, right? They're like, yeah. I remember there was a point in time where I was going to apply for a job and I looked at my experience on my resume and I thought, this does not capture my capabilities. This captures the opportunities that I have been allowed. Mm -hmm. And that's it. That's the end of it. And so I created a whole new section that was my capabilities profile. And I let people know what I'm good at. And they might, you know, what are they going to say? No, you're not. I'm going to say, let me show you. (laughs) Let me prove it to you. So I love uh, this. (laughs) And I think it really worked out because I got to really highlight like things that I know are valuable that are not, I wasn't given the opportunity to prove yet. And one of those things was being like a servant leader. Like that was one of the things that I realized like, oh, people have recognized this in me. People have not been able, I have not really been able to show that off or like, you know, put it into action or really serve as a official leader, you know, with the title. But at the time I was already doing it. Like I was already organizing people. I was already like encouraging people, building people up. Like all of that stuff is leadership qualities. That mm-hmm. That's what they are. They're leadership qualities. And I was not being given, you know, opportunities and titles to be a quote unquote leader, but I was already behaving as one. And I knew that I had that skill set. And so I put it there because I believe it and know it to be true. And nobody's gonna tell me otherwise. And, you know, I knew I could show it if I was given the opportunity. So I, I, I think, you know, tell your truth <laughs> and <laughs> know all that about yourself and let other people know. I love that. And how do you think we get across that bridge, right? Like, how do we, is it just that we just have to do it for the first time? Do we need the crowd around us encouraging us that we can do this? Is it a, like, kismet moment where it just comes to us? Is it that we're seeing other people doing it? Mm. Or yeah, is well, it- I do, yeah. There's a lot of, I mean, it, it, it could be different for everybody, I would say, obviously, but for me anyways, I, I think it's all an inside job. That's, a, that's, the, that's the part that I've taken away from this is that every bit of what you can and cannot do is determined by what you think you can and cannot do. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> mm-hmm. and so whatever it takes for you to believe that, you need to, you need to consciously, intentionally, and thoughtfully Uh, get that in your life, whatever it is, whether it's, you know, you need to tell yourself every day, whether it's you need other people to tell you, then surround yourself with people that, you know, can tell you. For me, it was literally like, sometimes it was literally like, let me look at what other people do, what they know, and you know, what they're, what they're doing. And I just, I just seeing them and knowing that like, yeah, I, I see what you're doing. I know I can do that. Like that built confidence in me, you know what I mean? Or, or I wanted to add something to that. 
And that made me feel worthy of just like going for it, you know, and having that position so that I could have the, the, the opportunity to do that. So I think it could be so many different things. And yeah, it probably can take time and different experiences in life. But I would say this, definitely be intentional about what you want and get closer to it and learn as much as you can, because the more you see behind the curtain, the more you realize it's just, you know, a lot of like smoke and mirrors and there's like, don't pay attention to that man behind the curtain. You know (laughs) what I mean? Like, you're like, oh, it's not, it's, you demystified the whole situation. And that's what I, I say, I I say, you know, go, you know, uh, swing the curtain open, go check out what's going on back there and don't be intimidated by it anymore because the less, you know, the more intimidated you're going to be. (laughs) Right. Like that. What was that childhood? after school special the more you know or something like that mm-hmm. right and I think mm-hmm. that's us we need to pay more attention to the people in power whether it's you know in our families or in our jobs or in our schools or in our friendship circles because they either hold the clue or we're going to realize they don't actually know everything that we thought yeah. they knew yeah. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing and it's not about calling them out on it it's more mm-hmm. about us realizing oh, so they don't know everything. That means I can do it too because I don't know everything. Exactly. And maybe everyone doesn't really know everything. <laughs> That's and, the know, scary and the true <laughs> and the comforting part all at the same time. I don't know how it's both, but it's like scary and comforting at the same time where you're just like, yeah, I should be in, I should be in this too. Right? Like, I don't like the phrase fake it till you make it just because mm-hmm. it seems so like, um, for me, it's like, the word hustle I don't like the word hustle because it's about you know essentially screwing people over right a real <laughs> hustle is and I think mm-hmm. make it till you make it is kind of the same way but it's also the reality of all these people that we've thought were just these perfect individuals who do mm. everything they don't and if it takes us to fake it till we make it if we can't accept the fact that hey we too deserve to be there because we too don't know everything mm-hmm you know, I have a road to get you there. I'm, I'm yeah. cool with it. I am too. But I, I will say, like, as you were saying that what came to mind for me is fake it till you make it seems to me like a lot of saving face. Like, that's the technique of, um, you know, just kind of forcing your way by saying like oh yeah I knew that or that that was my idea or taking credit for this or that like because you're trying to prove yourself to somebody Mm -hmm. and I know that everybody has like their different you know um their different like agency in the world or or wherever they are in in their life as far as how much power they have over their world etc but I would also say if and when you can the bigger goal for me should be to change the culture where people do not have to save face all day and do not have to posture and do not have to fake it, right? Where people can come and be vulnerable and say, you know what, I don't know the answer to that, but I'm going to find out. I'm going to talk to some people. I'm going to find a solution here, or, you know, I'm going to come back to you with some ideas and we can work on that together. You know, like that's the kind of world that I want to live in where people are not having to just you know to to just posture all day and try to look like they're they know things that they don't know like that honestly is not going to get us to a good place actually what will get us to a good place (laughs) 
is for everyone to be like, I respect you for what you bring to the table. Please respect me for what I bring. And, you know, let's solve some problems together. Like, that's the culture that I would want to live in. Yeah, that makes me think of two different things. One is that I wish people were allowed to change their minds Mm. and to adapt and to pivot. And maybe we're getting to a point where pivoting is more appropriate. But I feel as though we expect our leaders or whether or not Mm -hmm. it's, you know, again, for our country or for our families or for our businesses to make one decision and for that decision to stick forever. And I think it's more important, I know you and I have talked at length about it, is to have a culture and an identity that is intentional. But I think all the decisions that are related to that can be flexible. But somehow we've decided that, nope, no flexible ideas. We're just going to have one idea and we're just going (laughs) to keep on sticking to it. And that's weird to me, right? Like, there should Mm -hmm. be adapting and changing as you, like, think about Blockbuster. Like, was it their idea to just stick to it? And they were just going to, like, stick to it through Netflix and it was going to be okay yeah and they were going to survive yeah. as a business right or right. could they have pivoted and become a competitor to Netflix yeah absolutely absolutely yeah and um the other thing that came to mind for me is we don't have to have a single you know just leader anymore too like that's the other I, I think that's the other just like limiting mindset that we have in groups and in societies and countries of just like focusing in on one person. And then it's like every single thing that they say is, you know, (laughs) is, is everything, every mistake that they make (laughs) is everything, you know, it just seems like so much like life and death situation stuff. Whereas if you have their, if you have their, if you have set up a a process um, and a culture by which you know the group the collective is 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 bringing so much together then you're going to have so much more rich results like you're you're going to have um you know even people talk about this all the time with diversity it's like you are going to have something stronger than the sum of your parts when you bring people together. So that's the other part. I know we got off from like the individual experience, but I mean, whenever you have the opportunity, you know, bringing that piece in and not being sorry for, for changing your mind or, or even being mistaken or changing course. I like changing course. Like, why not? Like, (laughs) we're going to do this smarter. Let's change course. That's the right thing to do now. Right. Like, why can't we just, you know, let each other be humble enough to learn from what we're doing what we're experiencing the mistakes the good the bad the ugly like why can't we just do that together that's the part that I don't really understand and I think it has a lot to do with ego to be frank and (laughs) you know it kind of reminds me like I think maybe what we started off talking about about limiting ourselves and whether or not we'd serve to sit at Mm -hmm. that table Mm -hmm. I think maybe we're doing that to our leaders too that we're limiting Mm -hmm. them and saying that they have to stick to their like whatever their pinnacles 100% idea was and also stick to the culture that has been set right right? like I'm in nonprofit work and what astounds me is how this whole thing is set up almost exactly like a corporation I find I find that astounding actually I really do because I get that like this is structure this is something that works as a you know as a as a as a system as a structure like this is something that's I guess proven in some ways, or at least it's familiar anyways, 
but why in the hell are we doing the same thing that the for-profit companies are doing? Like they're <laughs> for-profit. We're not for-profit. Like we're literally like, you know, completely opposites. So I just find that really interesting just as an observation. It's just interesting to me that that's what has happened and that there's this limiting mindset that that's the way it has to be because your favorite, that's the way it's always been done. Oh, yes totally my favorite <laughs> and you know I think I would apply this to government too be somebody mm. who works in around politics right like there are politicians who believe that the government should function like a business and I'm like mm, mm. the government's not in the business of making money right 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 the government right. provides services much like a nonprofit provides yep. services yep exactly we've applied those rules to all these other entities that don't even fit inside that same box and it's bizarre it really is and you know what i think it's it, it and i think the one of the causes is that this country is so centered on money you mm-hmm. know that it's 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 enculturated it's just like this this is what everybody thinks is is value right is money is value so profit i, I should say specifically profit is value because that's that's where people are going with it like even in the nonprofit world like i've heard so many times like oh this person has become the executive director because they had for-profit experience what i (laughs) (laughs) that confuses me (laughs) and i'm confused in politics because so i think the economy is changing from a shareholder driven economy to a stakeholder driven economy so back before Milton Friedman came up with this whole trickle-down thing where profit was king and profit was only to enrich shareholders, we lived in a country, while it had many, many issues, corporations took care of their employees, right? Like there was a healthy pension system and there was health care and there was this idealization of the worker in many ways and there were issues. But it was a mm-hmm. stakeholder economy where companies thought more broadly than just enriching their shareholders. They thought about taking care of their stakeholders first. And I think in many ways with adopting ESG and other like how we become more sustainable, how do we consider company wellness, we are seeing that shift with the major money investment people to this back to a shareholder back to a stakeholder economy where we're concerned about our supply chain and how are those employees being treated and where are we getting our products or, and are our products good or not good and i'm hoping we see some shifts in that right like where we no longer have those assumptions that we placed on them and they're allowed to pivot and change but i think as we see in any newspaper we pick up there are people who are for this and there are people who are against this and there are people who are like, nope, we made this decision that trickle down was best and mm-hmm. we were going to just consider mm-hmm. the shareholders. Like, we're saving well, face as a country, my God. 30, yeah. 40, 50 years later or whatever. Like, Even though all wow. the data shows you make more money right. when you care about your stakeholders and you care about right. your employees and you care about how people are treated and what you're doing to the earth. Yes. Exactly, exactly. Especially in the long term. I don't know. Yeah, like that shift of like, almost like long term thinking versus short term, like the quarterly yeah. reports, like, I, that's such a, that's such a killer, such a society killer. Like, it that is, is, isn't it? Why? And, 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 but the breaking away is so interesting. Like, how does that happen? And, um, and it's interesting, because, you know, 
who is setting the rules? I think that's another like kind of meta thing in this whole conversation is like, who is setting the expectation, the rules, the social norms, like who is setting it and why, why do they get to set it too? You know, and that's (laughs) just generally like as a whole society, like we're talking on the macro level, but you could talk about it in the smaller settings of society, including down to the individual, right? Like we will say to ourselves, we can't even apply for this job because, you know, it says that they want a person like this. And I'm sure there's so many other people that have more experience than you're already telling yourself that you can't do it, that you're not worthy, that you're not valuable, that, you know, and I always say like, let them decide. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's not your decision to make. And I do the same thing with donors. Like you never make, never make up your donor's mind for them, right? Like give them the opportunity to decide if they want to, if they want to contribute in this way or that way. Um, And it's the same thing. And, And I also for jobs, for job seekers right now, I always say like, just cast a wide net and see what comes back. Wouldn't you rather have more options than less? And this, the reason I have created these, like, you know, these philosophies in my life is because not just for me, like I went through it, but like everybody in my family, everyone in my friend circle have, they've all had this thing where they're like, no, I'm not going to apply for that. I don't qualify for that. I don't have that many years experience, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm just like, nope, like, let me just tell you a whole wildly different concept because you know what? It's free to apply, (laughs) first of all. Mm -hmm. Don't cost you any money, so it's free to apply, so why not? It'll be great practice for you, if nothing else. You know, if you get an interview, even better, even more practice. I'm like, second of all, you might build relationships, you might have new opportunities that you didn't even know you could have. They might know somebody who needs you for exactly what you do and what you love to do and what you're looking for. You don't even know that. And thirdly, wouldn't you rather have more options than less? That's at the end of the yeah. day, it's as simple as that. Like, wouldn't you? And I mean, this also counts for, you know, what else is interesting is like, not even that people are scared of, of not getting the job. And so they don't apply. Like they're scared of rejection, essentially. The other interesting thing is that some people are scared of getting it. And that, yeah. <laughs> that is really, that's really, really fun because, and, and, and it does, it does relate to this, 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 um, you know, holding yourself back before you even get started thing, because people will think, you know, what if I get this job, then I have to, maybe I have to move, or maybe I have to, um, you know, I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to have to do that. I'm going to have to change this. I'm going to have to change that. It's going to be a lot of work. And, you know, what if I can't do it? What if I'm not good at it? What if I, you know, one day somebody told me I was scared because I was, I was applying for a job that I thought, you know, was a really big leap in my career. And I had this amazing friend who was just like six months. I was afraid of getting it. I wasn't afraid of not getting it. I was afraid of getting it. And she said, six months, get in there. If you can hold on to that job for six months, you can put it on your resume and get another one. That's like the same level. Now you've yep. increased your salary. You've increased your title. Like no one can take that away from you. Do it for six months. And I was like, six months, I can do six months. I can do six months of anything. <laughs> and that's mm-hmm. all that it took for me to get over my limiting mindset at the time of like, I'm not good enough to take this or I'm scared that I'm not good enough. Like I didn't know whether or not I could do the job. I really did not. I really did not know. I just thought this is the kind of work I want to do. I think I would be good at it. I don't really know. I'm scared of what's going to be on the other side of this because I don't know what it looks like. And it just took that little like comfort, you know, to know like this is just, um, you're just, you know, you just have to do this one thing and you only have to do it for this amount of time. And just having that finite thing that I could hold on to 
that just helped me take a leap of faith. And for me, I was practicing law and I decided I didn't want to practice law any longer because mm-hmm. I thought it was just a bunch of angry people who were just oh, trying yeah. to like have their problems <laughs> solved. And then I made this strange choice, like, I want to work in politics, where obviously there's no angry people in politics. (laughs) But let's ignore that I set blinders on for that part. But I I made the conscious decision. I wanted a change. I had no experience in politics. I was not from Texas, where I was living at the time. So I'm just going to, I just literally wrote every politician in the county Mm. Uh, open letter one of the like 30 people who were in Harris County replied and I ended up working for that woman for 13 years you just don't know and you should just stick your toe in and figure it out did I know how to write laws no did I learn pretty quickly yes yep and you know what I love about that story too is that you did not wait for the societal structures that already exist to deliver this opportunity to you, like you created your own opportunity. And I yeah. am obsessed with that because I, I, I really, I really think that um, first off, most of our world is, is created through socialization. It's not like mm-hmm. physical limitations. We, we are creating it through all of these little rules and social norms that we have in society. Right. And job hunting is one of them, right? Like if you told yeah. somebody today, like, how are you going to get a job? I think the first thing that they would do is go online and probably, you know, look at Indeed and be like, well, what's available? And you're just taking from whatever somebody else has put out there as they are, you know, intentionally looking for this person with this qualifications. And then it's all about you trying to fit into that box that they have set out. What you did, Tessa, is so inspiring because you decided, let me sit back, be reflective of what I would really enjoy in my life. What would be enriching? What's the future that I want? And you just started creating it like and 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 you just reached out and said, who wants to, you know, involve me in this? Who wants to take advantage of this new direction I'm taking in my career? And I, I, I wish that everybody, even if even if they did find their job, you know, through Indeed or what have you, would just take a time to sit back and say, what do I really, really want? in my you know career in my life in my relationships like in everything and that's something that I sometimes you know do consciously prompt people to do because (laughs) like I notice when I meet a lot of friends that I've worked with in the past they'll you know of course like talk about work and like what's going on with work and how's your job etc which is nothing wrong with that but I'm always the first one to be like are you happy? You know, is this what you want to yeah. do in the long? Is this what you want to do in the long term? Like, is this is this like bringing you like joy and reward? Especially because I'm a nonprofit, I feel like most people are in that kind of mindset. And some people surprise me. Like my friend who told me about six months, I love her to death. She she is so funny. She she is not about that, which is like so different for me that I'm still trying to like you know <laughs> I, I'm still trying to like relate to it. And then sometimes I really do. But her thing is like. I'm trying to work as little as possible and enjoy my life as much as possible. And her, (laughs) her enjoyment is like, I'm going to France, I'm going to travel. So like her thing is like, how can I find a a place, you know, where I can do my work, I can get paid well, and I can travel like and not work so much. And I'm like, yes, get it. I love that for you. Like, that's what you want. That's what brings you joy. Like, yes. But for some people, you know, 
they really need that um they need that you know rewarding sensations in their work or they need something that is like you know something they're trying to accomplish in their life through work or what have you and so I, I I'm always just testing with people where I'm just like oh like is that you know is if this is a big deal in your life have you thought about what you really want to do in the long run because you know, just hearing inspirational stories like yours, I think it's possible for everyone, especially all these brilliant, intelligent women that have all the goods, you know, like, that's mm-hmm. the thing with me. I'm just like, they're all smarter than me. I, that's what I tell them. I'm like, you're all, <laughs> I know you're all smarter than me. And I don't say that to say I'm not smart. I just admire them so much. I know I'm smart. And I know that there's, you know, they're smart and that they can do anything that they want to do. But so many people don't really, they really don't go through this exercise of just really having deep reflection about what they want in their lives and the, the, the life that they want to build, um, whether it be career or other things, they just keep going. They just, they take the next opportunity that, you know, appears if they want to make this much money or want to make a little bit more money, they apply for another job and then they get that job and then they do that job for a while you know and so that's that's one thing I love is when when people just consciously decide this is really what would would you know excite me would make me feel you know really really um fulfilled just you know just just being thoughtful and then setting that direction and doing whatever it takes beyond the norm right of what's set in front of us um to say you know this is this is how i'm gonna do it or you know what you did next which was to start your own business i admire you so much for that i I mean i cannot believe how brave you were and it comes from i think a place of like knowing and trusting yourself and whatever you have to do to get to that place um that is a huge accomplishment where you can get to a place where you are like, you know what? I trust myself more than putting my career in the hands of an employer. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> I wish or, everyone had that. Even beyond that, sometimes it was trusting that I knew myself better than the people who I worked with or for and thought that, oh, well, she could be filling this role or she mm-hmm. could be doing that role. And I'm like, mm, that might be logical to you, but no. Right. Yeah, I have no interest in that. Like, it was so many people like, oh, you could just go become an attorney at one of the state agencies. I'm like, and in my head, I'm like, that's not for me. Because it's too, <laughs> for me, it was too easy to be in that comfort zone. And I am all about, I've always been all about how do I get out of my comfort zone? And I'm I did it to myself yeah. all the time. Like, <laughs> I went to college to become a chemical engineer. Then I was like, yeah, I really want to get to law school quicker. If I stick with chemical engineering, it's going to be a four-year degree. If I switch to government, I can get out in three. I'm like, nice. Government it That's is. Nice. I also, like, graduated early because I want to get out of college. <laughs> See? I was like, like, I'm going to drop this and do this. Goodbye. <laughs> and for me, it's like, what was easy to me was math and science. What was not was, you know, writing and communication. And here I am now, a lawyer who works in politics, works all about communications. Wow, interesting. Yeah, but I love the I love the idea of getting uncomfortable too. Like I I, yeah. I don't know why I've been thinking about it, but I remember applying to a job and, you know, this is probably a cautionary tale more than an encouraging one, but <laughs> 
the interview was so bad and like I was just like oh my god like I don't know how this happened but it was just it was it was not great and um and I just remember thinking like do I wish I hadn't done that though and I'm like no I'm kind of glad I did it because I learned a lot like I, I know it sounds it sounds like probably not worth it but for me I was like I learned a lot about what these people do and what they were looking for and the kind of people that work here and how the government it was like a government job and I was like, just how they work in the government setting or what have you. And I was just like, it was very interesting. I didn't get the job, obviously, but it's okay. <laughs> like I got to, I got to learn a lot. And so even, even the worst interviews or the worst, you know, outcomes, they're still not bad. That's, and that's why I say like, don't right. be scared. What are you afraid of? Like a little, like public humiliation, get over yourself and you'll be fine. Exactly. <laughs> I was the person who moved to California from a from Arkansas to start practicing law after practicing California bar I was like I was going to these big law firm interviews and I was just like mm. oh this just does not feel right and I remember mm. them asking you know where do you see yourself in five years and my answer was always the same and it did not sit well with big <laughs> people let me tell you my answer was started with I want to be happy doing what I'm doing in five years I don't know what that what I am doing, but I know it has to provide me joy, it has to provide me happiness, because that's what I need in my life. That's so wild, because that is exactly the same answer I've been using since high school. It's <laughs> right. so wild. But it's such yeah. a discouraged answer, right? Because it right. should be, I see myself on this partner track within this five track. years. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because that's that what society says, and that's the rules. <laughs> that's what you're supposed to want which is so interesting like I wonder where that comes from but that we both have that but I think for me anyways it was like looking around and seeing so many people who are miserable like (laughs) so miserable and why are they doing that to themselves why did they put that limitation on them like I want to be miserable in five years and be angry and frustrated with everybody I'm working with and everybody I'm related to and everything in my life so I was, oh. that's exactly what I was like. I just want to be happy. Like do something that makes me, makes me happy. Like that's what I want. And people would be like, oh, because they're literally like, what do you want to be? That's what they're asking me. Like, yeah. and, and they meant like, you know, do you want to be a doctor, a lawyer, a veterinarian? And I'd be like, happy. And they'd be like, oh, <laughs> it's just not, that's not a profession. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't care what I do. <laughs> Right. And it could be that, you know, you could be the person that is happy because you're making a lot of money and screwing sure. people over. If that yeah. makes you happy, hey. that's, that's your Live your thing. truth. <laughs> live your dream. Yeah. <laughs> and I hope you should. Awesome. Everyone should live their dream. Absolutely. Should you plant wildflowers along highways just for fun because nobody's paying you? More power to you. That sounds so fun. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Wouldn't it be great to see, like, wildflowers along every highway through every season? Oh, that's so cute. And, and the wildflowers are one of my favorite part of living in Austin. Just, like, the you know, being on the highways Same. is not fun. But then when there's wildflowers everywhere, you're like, oh, it's so sweet. <laughs> it's so cute. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm completely, I got distracted by the flowers. Um, no, but, yeah, that made me I, think I think of everyone something... really should. Go ahead. 
the wildflowers maybe think of something this is you know we're, i'm going to continue on your tangent for a second before we <laughs> return right this ship to where we were at it <laughs> on, on twitter there's a austin-based account called evil mopac and mopac is a highway that <laughs> runs north south through our city so and right evil now mopac. we're in we have a festival going on called Austin Sea Limits, big thing that I think a lot of people know about. And there's a joke that everybody who shows up to Austin Sea Limits wants to move to Austin to, you know, see the wildflowers or whatever it might be. <laughs> and the joke this year was on Evil Mopac's Twitter account was, you know, might be uh, inflation prices are high, housing prices are high at Austin, and that means only. 89% of the people who attend ACL will want to move to Austin down from the high during 2019 of 95%. <laughs> yeah. But there They're are so many do. reasons to want to move to Austin. I don't think we should limit people who move to Austin because I think it's great when more people move to Austin because growth is a good thing. Absolutely. And I, I keep thinking about all the wonderful people that are like, you know, just bringing new ideas, new cultures. Yeah. New... Again, it's about diversity for me. It's like the more minds, the better. And the more, you know, diverse minds, the better. Like the more diverse experience, the better. The more diverse cultures, the better. You know, I learn something all the time from people of different cultures, whether it's, you know, person to person or even in articles like the article I read that talked about how a leader... Um, I think it was a tribal leader of some sort, like didn't even speak until everyone else in the meeting had already spoke. I love that. I'm so obsessed with that. I'm like trying to find a way to make that a thing because listening is such an incredible skill that is not, is not held up, you know, in, in our capitalist society, our capitalist society and, and whatever else you want to call it, like whatever our society is about individual responsibility and meritocracy of some sort, like, it's all about, you know, speak first, be strong, show confidence. And have and, like the loudest voice. Yes, have your ideas go through and get credit for it. You know what I mean? It's very like Gunner Law School type of level type of energy. So like, you know, that unfortunately to me is is just, I, I just, I don't buy into that. I don't think that's how you Neither get the best I. results. I really think that you know, we are just stronger as a collective. And um, again, like, I just, I, I just think that we're, we're doing a disservice to ourselves by buying into this culture. A lot of times people think that they're not promulgating one culture or another, but we are like, we are, we're defaulting. Like I said, with nonprofit structure, why are we defaulting to corporate structure? Because that's the default, right? Like that's just the, the norm. And so anytime that you're not being intentional then you are defaulting to whatever that norm is. And that is, you know, a culture that's been promulgated through society in some ways. So I would say, you know, we have to, we have to notice that and then be thoughtful and also like, you know, challenge people on why are we doing the things that we're doing in this way? And if it's Tesla's favorite answer of, because it's the way it's always been done, <laughs> you know, you got a good starting point for change. <laughs> Right. I think you make a great point about diversity too, right? Like the more different cultures and ideas and people and at a table, the better the decision making. Because it isn't that this is how it's always been done. And you know, one of those seats at a nonprofit meeting should have the idea that about corporations, but not everybody should have that idea. It should be a idea, not the idea. Exactly. Yep. 
Yeah. And how do we encourage, you know, how do we encourage people to, to break through that? Um, I, I feel like there's probably so many people um, who might listen to this who, you know, are in a place where they think that they don't have any power. Um, mm-hmm. They don't have decision-making power. They don't have authority. They don't have a way that they can influence the culture. And I would just challenge them to, to realize that, you know, just speaking your truth is extremely powerful. You know, that's you something that mm-hmm. you have control over that. Absolutely. You have authority over that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And if you're not being heard, like demand to be heard. Because yeah. if you're part of an organization, no matter how small your supposed role has been, you know, determined to be, um, first of all, it doesn't mean that you can't, you know, kind of grow in the margins. First of all, <laughs> I'm all about pushing <laughs> little boundaries that I've been given. Um, but also, you can for sure influence the conversation. Just when you're invited into a room, into a meeting, what have you, if you have access to people that have decision-making power, you know, you could influence their thinking just by bringing up something that they've never thought of. And they've never thought of it because they are not you. And they have not had your experience and your life, you know, just your, your life, your background, your, all of, all of what you are and who you are. They just haven't had that same experience. So you have something to add. You have something of value to bring. And I would add to it, don't be afraid to repeat yourself. Um, yes. And don't be afraid to bring up those ideas separately to people yep. and then bring them up in meetings. Yes. Because it takes, you know, the people who walk into those meetings with the ideas of how things should happen didn't just, you know, invent them when they sat down at the table. Someone talked to them and they figured it out or that person read something. So be that source of information for that person. And if they don't listen to you the first time, maybe they listen to you the 10th time. But don't give up. It's that persistence. I love that. Oh, that, that really such such good practical advice. Oh, I love it so much. Yes. And I, I mean, the other thing you should know is that when people sit in meetings, you might think that this is like Tessa said, some spontaneous, you know, amazing track that just happens and it's not it's I can tell you for sure that anyone who's leading a meeting has already talked to several individuals in that meeting beforehand and Mm -hmm. they have they've kind of set it up you know where this person's going to say this this person's going to say that that person's going to agree with them like you know I I guess I can't say that for sure in every meeting but I'm just going to say it's pretty common and um (laughs) and you know what it's also smart because it it's, hard to, it's hard to wrangle a group um, spontaneously, right, without any context. And so it's good. It's a good thing to be able to discuss. And so if you think that, you know, um, you don't have any ability uh, to influence people, you're just, it, it's not true. You absolutely do, whether it's people that, you know, you're close to. Uh, people that you can at least get their ear. Um, maybe you can add an item to the agenda or whatever it is. Or maybe you can just, maybe there's an opportunity for you, people to just speak up. Just be prepared to say what you want to say. And don't limit yourself to thinking that everybody has to speak up in the meeting. Remember, you could talk to them beforehand or afterward. Mm-hmm. And if you're more comfortable starting that way, go that, go for that. You know, Absolutely. don't be afraid and limit yourself that, hey, I can't follow up or I can't talk to this person beforehand. Yeah, you can. Yeah. And if the culture is such that, you know, they don't allow for free talk or questions or answer sessions or whatever it is, 
um, you know, if you have to ask for permission, just ask for permission until yeah. you get what you want. <laughs> because just because it hasn't been done before doesn't mean that it shouldn't be done. And so uh, I, I can guarantee that, you know, you have something to offer, you have something to say. And there's so many structures that set us up to hold back and to mm-hmm. stay silent. And I, I, I really, I feel like it's so oppressive in a way where you just, you know, this is where people get really frustrated and then they're venting, you know, in different places because they don't really get to be heard. And, you know, the truth is if your leaders or people with authority, more authority than you maybe don't allow for that, they're actually hurting themselves. So you're doing them a favor by bringing them information and bringing them insight before it becomes something negative, you know, and something toxic. And realize that, hey, if you're there and you're providing information to these people and ideas that you think are great, and you realize that your leadership is toxic, lots of jobs out there, just apply for another <laughs> one. Yeah, or make your own. <laughs> exactly. Or find new people. Yes, like Tessa did. I mean, that's that's so such incredible. Like it just opens up the world of possibilities. And so it's all there for you. And if you, you know, the but I do think that going back to how we limit ourselves, I mean, we know that there are ways that, that people limit us in a lot of ways and and it could just be culture being passed down, being passed down. But I think the most important limiting thing that is out there is when we limit ourselves as individuals and we tell ourselves we can't do something before we even try. So, you know, that focus is, in my opinion, the, the, the most important because once you know that you have value, that you have worth, that your opinion matters, that your life experience matters your lived experience like all of those different things that you understand now that have value once you know that once you really know that really believe that all of the other stuff like you'll find a way around that you'll just be like hey I'd like to have a meeting with you can we talk on Tuesday you know like it won't even be it won't even be a thing that that will hold you back so much as the structure when you really have that confidence and you know you have something to add I think the rest of it kind of follows and if you don't think you have that confidence or that value, I am the first person to stand in line and say, you do have that value. You do have a unique skill set because you, only you, are you. And Tessa's here to support you and say, you can do this. Don't freak out. You can do it. Absolutely. And I'm right behind her. And we love you all and believe in each and every one of you. And we just want y'all to have that exact same confidence and and understanding of how valuable you are so we appreciate you being here and uh continuing on this journey with us and really this is why we do this because we want that same feeling that we've gotten with each other to be in each of you so that you can walk through your life and in your purpose and step into your greatness without any hesitation from yourself or anyone else i couldn't agree more And I hope you all find it and I hope you all see it because we see it in you. So until next time, thanks for joining us. Thank you.